This sermon is brought to you by Christ Church South Philadelphia, a church that is committed to living out the gospel in their neighborhood and from there impacting the world. For more information about our church or to support our mission, you can go to www.christchurchsouthphilly.org. Well, if you're, you're just joining us, uh, currently we're between preaching series, uh, and we, we look forward to next week to jumping into the, the book of Jude and going through that verse by verse. Uh, but before we do, we want to spend a, a couple weeks considering some other portions of Scripture. So we kind of have this, this little mini-series going on. Uh, last week, Pastor Caleb led us to consider what it looks like to be a community of encouragement. And this week, we'll be looking at what it means to be a community of comfort. This is the title of this morning's message, A Community of Comfort. Let's look at our text, and we'll be looking at two short verses. Yet in these two short verses, there is profound, life-changing truth. So let's read 2 Corinthians, and we're in chapter 1, and it'll be verses 3 and 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God bless the reading, now the preaching of his holy word. Consider with me for a moment this question. If you could learn under anyone in the world and learn any subject, who would you learn from and, and what would the subject be? Perhaps think about that for a moment. Could be a, a good discussion to, to have over lunch uh, or maybe as an icebreaker in our community groups this week. Who would you learn from and what would the subject be? Recently came across this online service that, that got me thinking about this question. Maybe you're familiar with it. It's called Masterclass. Is anyone familiar with Masterclass? Has anyone taken a Masterclass? Okay, cool. You, you, I, I'd love to hear. It's, it seems very intriguing. love to hear how it is. With a subscription to Masterclass, you can be instructed from over 180 of the world's best experts on a number of different topics or skills and business and life and sports. And, and, and it, we're, we're talking the, the best of the best here. You know, and these aren't just scholars, but these are, are people that have been successful in, in incorporating these skills into their own lives. Have you been wanting to learn how to cook better? Well, you can take cooking lessons from celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay. Want to improve your acting skills? Well, you can learn from A-list actors like Samuel L. Jackson or Natalie Portman. Want to improve your, your skills in a, a particular sport? Well, they got classes from all-time greats like tennis legend Serena Williams or, or basketball superstar Steph Curry. Or even if you, you just want to grow as a person, you, you can learn skills like how to be a, a more effective giver from someone like billionaire Melinda Gates. Well, this morning in our, our text of 2 Corinthians, we drop in as the Apostle Paul has begun to give a master class, if you will, on a subject of utmost importance. And it, it's probably not the, the master class that as we're, we're scrolling through the catalog of classes that, that you or I would have signed up for. What, what Paul is instructing us on in this particular master class is on the hard things of life. How do we live 
through the difficulties? How do we make sense of it all? How do we, where, where do we turn when, when life gets hard? How do we cope? Not as flashy of a subject as shooting three-pointers with, with Steph Curry. But can you, can you think of anything more important for us to be studying this morning? Because the, the, the reality is, as, as, as much as we, we don't like to think about it, life, if it, if it isn't already, life will inevitably get hard. And what it does, we, we need to know, what do we do? Where, where do we go to find comfort? When life gets hard for, for those we love, how do we help bring them comfort? Apart from the, the gospel itself, there, there's not a more important subject to grasp in life. Now, I don't know anyone more qualified to teach on it than the Apostle Paul, a man who has faced his fair share of life's difficulties and hardships. In our, our text, you'll see this idea of comfort repeated over and over again in these few short verses. Actually, five times in just these, these two verses. We're, we're, we're going to be talking a lot about comfort, so to be on the same page, to define it, Biblically speaking, comfort is what God uses to strengthen us and encourage our souls in the midst of the difficulties of life. Comfort helps to ease our burdens in some way so we can continue to, to press on in faith. And to, to Paul, this, this thing called comfort is it's just an absolute game changer. It, it transforms us and those around us. We become a, we, we become a people marked by comfort People change by comfort. We become a community of comfort. And this is the, the big idea we'll see in our text this morning. Very simply, God calls us to be a community that receives and shares his comfort. Say it one more time. God calls us to be a community that receives and shares his comfort. And we, we want to look at, at, at these two aspects of, of comfort this morning. We want to spend some time first considering how we receive it and then how we share it with others. Uh, but, but first, be before we get into our first point, to, to give you just a, a brief background of the occasion for Paul writing these words. Paul has been under fire from a, a group of, of would-be leaders for all the suffering he has been enduring. This group of teachers desires to capture the hearts of the Corinthian church to to whom Paul is writing, and they, they set out to do this by, by pulling them away from the one who first led them to Christ, by, by pulling them away from Paul and the, the gospel that he preached. And, and they, they seek to do this by capitalizing on what they, they see as a major weakness in Paul, and that, that is that he suffers so much. So they, they begin to plant seeds of, of doubt with the Corinthians. Could, could God really be on the side of someone who suffers? as much as Paul. Isn't this evidence that, that God is against him and his, his ministry? And Paul answers his critics throughout this letter on the purpose God has in our suffering and our weakness. This, this is Paul's most personal letter. And while the, the assumption these, these false teachers are making about what Paul's suffering means are false, it, it is true that, that Paul has certainly been through a lot. Later on in this, in, in this letter in 2 Corinthians in chapter 11, Paul runs, a lit, runs through a list of all he, he's gone through. And I'll give you kind of just the, the highlights to, to help paint the picture. It says he's been imprisoned on multiple occasions. 
He's, he's been beaten so many times. He's actually lost count. He's been near death on many occasions. People sought to execute him by stoning him and through other means. He was in three different shipwrecks. I don't know, after the, the second shipwreck, are you, you getting back into the, the ship again? He spent a, a day and a night adrift in the open sea. And, and then there was just the, the other kind of constant things he went through that he experienced on his journeys. The, all the danger he faced, all the, the constant sleepless nights, often without food, without proper shelter. And, and the list just goes on and on. You, you see why I say if, if someone's to teach a class on suffering... He's the guy I want to hear from. For Paul, this, this isn't just pie-in-the-sky theory when he, he speaks on this subject. And yet, what we see in our text, despite all that Paul's been through, Paul opens this letter in verse 3, praising God. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed means praise be to God. How do you go from, from all that Paul has gone through to the, the moment your, your pen hits the paper, your heart is just overflowing with praises to God. Praise just begins to spill out of his heart. The reason he tells us he's able to do this is because of comfort. Comfort he has received from God. And that's our first point. Let's look at point number one. Comfort received. Look with me again at verse 3. Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Paul praises God as he has found him to be the, the source, as he says, of all comfort. All the comfort he needs and all that Paul has gone through and all that Paul has needed to be comforted in, God has been the, the source of all his comfort. Now notice with me something very important in, in what Paul says here. Notice he doesn't start off by praising God for simply comfort that he has given to him. He, act, he actually says something much deeper here. He praises God for being the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. He, he, he says mercy and comfort is not just what God gives, but who God is. Part of the, the comfort that Paul has received is he's found at the, the very heart of who God is. He is a God that is overflowing with mercy and comfort for his people. So much so that, that, that comfort and, and mercy are, are part of his very character. They're part of his, his very nature. He is the father of mercy and God of all comfort. You think about it. Paul would have never have known this, this beautiful reality of the heart of God, this, this reality that his heart is, is bursting with praise over if, if he didn't go through the difficult things he went through. God used the, the hard things in life to give him a deeper relationship and a, a greater understanding of who he is. And I, don't, I don't think Paul would have traded it for the world. I don't think he would have traded it for an easier life. Friends, know that when we go through suffering, God doesn't waste it. We can know that he will meet us in the furnace of our affliction. And that as he does, there's, there's aspects of himself that we, we will experience in ways we never would have had we not gone through the hard things. And Paul is rejoicing here he's in, in who he's found God to be. He's found him to be the God of all comfort. 
Yet, despite this reality of, of who God is, how often can you and I pursue our comfort in other things? When life gets hard, how often can we think that, well, perhaps God is the God of, of some comfort. Is He really the, the God of all comfort? There, there, there must be comfort to be found outside of Him. And, you know, God kind of carries the, the stock sizes of comfort, but if I have a special case, I need a special size of comfort here. Um, I'm unique. My, my suffering is different. And we can go look for our, our comfort elsewhere in so many different ways, right? Even in potentially good things, but, but things that we were never meant to find our comfort in. We, we can seek to escape the, the hard things of life through, through pouring us ourselves into our jobs and success at work or financial security, right? We can seek to, to medicate our pain with, with food or shopping, perhaps alcohol or drugs or pornography. One of our, our favorite forms of comfort these days, just escaping the world through spending inordinate amounts of time just scrolling on our screens. And yet haven't we found that whatever we seek our comfort in, apart from God, it just, it never, it just never quite seems to do it for us, does it? If, if it provides any type of comfort at all, it's, it's short-lived, it's, you know, it's, it's junk food, it's, it's empty calories. And then not only do these things fail to, to comfort, they actually end up adding affliction to, to our affliction. I remember uh, about 20 years ago having the, the most tiring job, probably the most difficult job I've ever had in my life, and, and that was I was delivering uh, these big, the big five-gallon water bottles for, for Deer Park spring water. And um, the, the bottles weigh about 50 pounds, and I had so many stops on my route that I had to just run all day just to, you know, so I'd run, I'd sometimes have three water bottles, one in each hand, one under the arm, just to, to get done on time. And I would, I would just get to the end of my day, and I was, I was toasted, I was, I was beat up, I'd come home and just crash, we had young kids at the time, and I, I was just out. And I remember in an effort to find some comfort for my beat up body, I went to the store and bought a new pair of sneakers to, to help me in this, this difficult task. Yet the mistake I made was that I thought all sneakers would bring the, the comfort I needed. And so I, I went to Walmart and I opted to buy the cheapest pair I could find. Yeah. Uh, for a few days they, they provided some, some momentary comfort, but quickly my, my feet became so covered in, on the bottom with calluses that it, it felt like I was, I was walking on sharp pieces of glass throughout the day. What I had hoped would bring this kind of instant, cheap comfort did the opposite. It actually made matters far, far worse. Now I needed comfort from what I sought for my comfort. Friends, where are we selling ourselves short and settling for cheap comfort that isn't the true comfort that God of all comfort has for us? After Paul has, after all he's gone through and all has got, God has done to him, for, uh, has met him in, he, he says there, there, there's nowhere else we need to go. He is the, the God of all comfort and he is worthy of our praise. Blessed be this God. His comfort will never fail. There's, there's nowhere else we need to turn. He says in verse 4 that this God of all comfort, he comforts us in all our affliction. 
word used here for, for comforts in the Greek is it's being used in the, the present tense in a way that speaks of ongoing comfort, of, of uninterrupted comfort. Not just comfort once in a while, but this, this steady, unremitting stream of comfort that, that meets us in all our affliction. Think of the, the song, Come Thou Fount, right? Streams of, of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. There's just a stream of, of comfort and mercy. Paul's saying not once in any of his afflictions, all those afflictions we, we just discussed, that, that, there, that there was even a moment that God had failed to bring him the comfort that he needed. Now this doesn't mean that things will never be hard for us. Perhaps you're in the, the midst of your own hard things. And even just struggling God to see, God, where are you providing this comfort? Paul in chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians even talks about a time where it says he himself was even despairing of life itself. We, we, we can be realists. Comfort doesn't take away our suffering. But with it, God meets us in the midst of it and it upholds us. We, we can know that God will be faithful to meet us in any affliction. And, and this is the reality that, that Paul testifies to. Even, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, we, we can cling to this as a rock-solid promise from God's Word. He comforts us in all our affliction. And this stream of comfort that, that flows to us in such a way, even our afflictions, we, we can even simultaneously experience joy. As we, we see here, here as Paul, his, his life is overflowing with affliction, and yet his heart is, is overflowing with joy and with praise to his God. Later in this, this letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4, Paul even says, I am filled with comfort. In all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. Friends, in our affliction, our hearts can be filled with praise to the Father of mercies and God all comfort. And this is only possible because we've been united to Jesus through faith. This is only possible because as Paul opens our verses up with at the beginning of the text, it says that he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. His Father is now our Father because Jesus was cut off from all comfort for our sake. We no longer have to face even a moment without the Father's comfort or care. As we see in Psalm 69, describes what took place, as we sung about this morning, on the cross, on our behalf. In, in verse 19 and 21, when the, the psalmist, psalmist prophesies on behalf of, of, of Christ and says, Reproaches have broken my heart so that I'm in despair. I looked for pity and for mercy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. This is what happened to, to Jesus on the cross. Jesus looked for pity. He looked for mercy. But there was none. He looked for comforters, but found none. He did this on our behalf so that we would never have to look for comforters and find none. Christ, we will always have a steady stream of mercy and comfort to meet us in all our affliction, in all our suffering. Blessed be the God and Father 
our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. With this overflow of comfort we experience, we then take this comfort as we've received, and as, as God's children, we, we join the, the family business, and we bring this, this comfort to others. That leads us to our second point. Look with me at comfort shared. Let's look again at verse number four. It says that God comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. See, comfort is not meant just for us. It's meant to, to change us in a way that we then go and bring God's comfort to others. You know, as, as we talk about suffering, we, we as Christians, we, we, we know that God uses our affliction and our suffering to change us and to, to make us more like Jesus. We, we see this throughout Scripture. But I think what we can do is we can often make the mistake of thinking this growth through our, our suffering is kind of this you know, self-improvement type of, of project that, that God kind of makes us just simply more put-together people. When, when the reality is what God is doing in us is he's, he's changing us, not for our own sake, but for the sake of others. That we become those that, that reach into the, the lives of others. I love how the late author and counselor David Powelson describes what God does in us through our suffering. He says, under Christ's mentoring, we do improve, of course, but it's not exactly in the ways we might expect. It's easy to think that God's goal is to make you better, happier, and more self-confident than you are now. Lord's desired outcome is not simply a better you living your best life now, someone who's found a sense of inner peace and gotten your act together. His goal for you is to embody love by taking to heart the troubles and struggles of others. He does it first he does it by first taking to heart your troubles and struggles. Sanctification, which is the, the process of spiritual growth, is not really interested in making you a quote-unquote better individual. God is making you into a person who is more connected to others, joined to Jesus Christ and to all his other afflicted people whose center of gravity is also shifting outside themselves. Friends, God, through the, the comfort we receive in our affliction, He's changing us not just into to better individuals, but those who are connected to others. People that enter into the, the difficult things of, of the lives of, of those around them and, and seek to bring comfort in the way that we have received comfort. God, God's comfort is meant to turn us into a community of comfort. I'm so grateful for just the many, many examples of this in Christ's church. In preparing this message, I, I just thought of countless examples, countless ways that I have been the recipient of comfort myself from you all. Uh, one recent example for me comes to mind. Uh, as a pastoral team, the other day we, we met with one of our, our members, Phil Rodeball, to talk about the pastoral internship he's currently in the midst of. Uh, for, for those of you that, that aren't familiar, uh, we, we have different phases of raising up pastors, and one of these phases is an internship where we explore alongside someone the, the question of if they're, they're called to, to pastoral ministry, and 
Uh, this is what, what Bill's been in. We're, we're talking with him. We're walking alongside him, trying to discern what, what God's heart and will is for, for Bill. But um, I was so encouraged. As we talked with Bill, what I, what I was hearing as, was just what was motivating his heart for, for ministry. Bill is, is someone, like many of us, who's faced different challenges and difficulties in life. And, 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 and while talking with him, it just became so clear his, his heart was to, to minister to others that, that were experiencing hard things in life, uh, to enter into the, the, the suffering of others. And he, he was just sharing just different burdens of, of ministry he has for, for people, just, just coming from a heart of, of compassion, really to, to share the, the comfort that he had received himself. And, and, and there, there was just ways that he was sharing uh, Ways this, this busy man was entering into the, the suffering of, of others along with his, his wife, Lisa, where it was just like, God, this is a glimpse of your heart. This is it's so encouraging, God. Praise you for what you've done. Here's someone who has experienced your comfort and been transformed by your comfort. This is what marks so many of you. My, my burden for this message as I was preparing wasn't, hey, let's do what we're not doing, but let's grow in the good work that the Lord has already begun. And this is how God's kingdom works. You know, there, there's this, this stigma in our culture of, of re-gifting, right? You know, you, you don't want to get caught being a re-gifter during the holidays. And we've probably all done it, right? Someone gives you a gift you have no use for, and you give it to someone else to bless them. In the process, you save yourself a, a few bucks in the process. Got to remember to take the tags off. I got a gift uh, this Christmas from someone who forgot to take the tags off to them from someone else. Um, but in, in, in God's kingdom, the, the best gifts are the ones that are re-gifted. What, what God has, has, has done in us is meant to be brought and, and shared with others. This is how his kingdom works. Again, David Pallison says it so well. He says, ultimately, everything we learn, even a small increment of wisdom or comfort, becomes something to give away. We, we re-gift the, the comfort that has been given to us. We, we share it with others. Comfort becomes this communal thing that we, we pass around and we share with one another. I need it from you and, and you need it from me. There's, there's no distinction in the body of Christ between those that comfort and those that are comforted. And we see this in the, the life of Paul. Paul, who's this spiritual hero who wrote most of the New Testament, was responsible for the spread of Christianity more than anyone besides Jesus himself, yet he wasn't above his need to, to experience comfort from others. He shared comfort with others, and he was comforted by others. A little later in, in the letter we're in, in 2 Corinthians in chapter 7, Paul describes a, a time of great difficulty in his ministry when, when he first made it to Macedonia. And, and he, he says in verse 5 of, of, of the time him and his team were having that their, their bodies had no rest. And he says they were afflicted at every turn. Verse 6, he says, But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. We're, we're told this, this comfort Paul experienced, it, it comes from God, but he, he brings it through Titus, and Titus has been encouraged 
and comforted by the Corinthians, who Paul was now writing to to bring them comfort. Right? There's this, this sharing of comfort, this, this cascading effect of comfort that's going on. The, the Corinthians comfort Titus. He comforts Paul. Paul writes to them to comfort them. In the community of God's people, we all need each other to receive comfort from and to share comfort with each other. Notice it, it says we can bring this comfort to anyone in any affliction. Your affliction and, and my affliction are going to be different. And, and yet it says we can still minister to one another. We can still bring comfort to one another. One of the aspects of, of suffering is it, it can be so isolating and we can just feel like no one gets what I'm going through. I personally was recently struggling with, with feeling this way and I was sharing this with some of the guys who I, I meet with weekly for encouragement and accountability and I was just so grateful for my dear brother, Pastor Jeff, who, who reminded me of this truth. It's faithful to point out that while my suffering may feel unique, God often uses people that have, have suffered in, in different ways to, to bring his comfort. It was a, a reminder I, I needed to hear. I, I, we, we need to be careful not to, to shut ourselves off from the, the comfort the Lord has because we think it could only come from someone who has suffered like us in a, a certain way prerequisite to being able to comfort someone is not that we've, we've suffered in the same way, but, but that we've experienced God's comfort in the midst of the ways we have suffered. This is what qualifies us to bring, some, to bring comfort to those who are in any affliction, it says. And it says in our text in verse 4, we're able to do this with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Let me ask you, how have you experienced God's comfort? Bring that same comfort to others. This is what we want to look at at the remainder of our time. We want to put some, some handles on, on what this could look like. How do we comfort others with the, the comfort that God has, has brought to us? We, we want to look at four categories to help us think about this. Um, do not worry. This has not just become a six-point sermon, so we'll, we'll move through these rather quickly. Uh, four ways we can comfort others with the comfort we've received from God. And these are be present, be prayerful, be practical, and bring promises. First, we bring comfort through being, being present with one another. We saw this in the life of Paul, how he was comforted by the, the presence of his friend Titus. Titus simply showing up brought Paul comfort. Nancy Guthrie, in her excellent, very practical book that I, I'd recommend on ministering to those who are you're grieving, and, and the, the title kind of says it all, What Grieving People Wish You Knew About What Really Helps and What Really Hurts. She says the following. She says, if I had to boil down the message of this entire book in just two words, these two would probably cover it. Show up. Right? So much of our ministry to one another, friends, is are we willing to just show up and be present? To, to be there to simply listen. We, we, we don't have to, to have all the answers. Oftentimes answers aren't on what people are looking for in the moment. In fact, oftentimes it's not answers, but, but questions that are, are going to prove to, to be more helpful. Even simply asking, hey, what, what's the best way for me to, to care for you right now? We show up and we, we seek to listen, we seek to, to weep 
with those who weep. There's a, a comfort that comes through presence. And yet, showing up in our, our busy lives can be challenging, can it? We, we, we need margin in our, our schedules to, to be able to do this, to be able to sit with a, a grieving friend or to, to take the phone call from the, the guy in community group who just feels overwhelmed with life and needs someone to, to talk to. We have to prioritize having time for this. How often we, we see throughout Scripture when God's people are in the midst of of hard things, the, the Lord time and time reminds them again and again of this truth. I am with you. Through our presence, God uses us to remind others that, that He is with us, that, that we are not alone. As it says in the, the well-known Psalm, Psalm 23, about the, the comfort God's presence brings. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's presence brings comfort. And, we, and when we as God's people are willing to enter into each other's lives, we, we, we remind one another that, that God is present with us. Second way we comfort one another with the way we've been comforted is by praying for and with one another. Be prayerful. Often we, we don't have the answers. We, we don't have the strength we need. So we go to the one who does. When we, we pray for and with one another, we help carry one another's burdens as, as we're told in Galatians 6.2 and so fulfill the law of Christ. This, this is a heart of comfort, right? To, to help ease one another's burdens. Late 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon said, no man can do me a truer kindness in this world than to pray for me. So how, how do we do this effectively? I'm just... One simple question that I've been asking myself recently as I've been seeking to, to do this is, is, who do I know that's carrying a burden? How can I fulfill the law of Christ? Be guided by Galatians 6.2. How can I fulfill the law of Christ by helping to, to ease this burden through prayer? And then pray for them. And then let them know you're praying for them. Shoot them a text. When we're together, let's pray together. <coughs> You, you might not feel like you have anything helpful to say, but hey, let, let's go to the throne of grace together. It says in, in Hebrews 4, 6 that we can receive mercy and grace for this time of need. Part of being a community of comfort is, is being a community of prayer. Third, we bring comfort by being practical. We look for ways we can practically serve one another. So grateful for Becca Nussbaum, our deacon of member care and benevolence, who helps us do this on a church-wide scale when, when different needs arise and helps us coordinate caring for, for one another. How important this is. How this speaks of, of God's love and comfort for us when he meets us in our need. Paul in, in Philippians chapter 4 says to the Philippian church in verse 14 and 16, he says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. How did they, they help share his trouble and, and ease his burden? It says in verse 16, Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. We, we can share in each other's troubles and help ease it by, by meeting one another's needs. It's amazing the encouragement and comfort a, a meal can bring. Or offering child care or a call to say, Hey, I'm, I'm heading over to the store and 
going to pick you up some things. Just tell me what you need. Right? Or, hey, can I come over and, and help wash the dishes? It's going to all bring such encouragement. I think it's important to remember that sometimes maybe the way someone's offering to help isn't even your, your biggest need. Right? Maybe it doesn't even do much to lighten your load. For instance, your, your friend offers to, to make you a meal and you know, maybe you have leftovers in the, the fridge. doesn't take a, a whole lot off your plate. But, but one of the things to remember is often when someone meets a practical, practical need for us, it, it goes beyond just meeting that need. Again, it, it reminds us and it brings comfort in, in knowing that, that we're not alone in this. There, there's a, we're reminded again of God's presence. So if you're able to say yes and, and, and it won't add to your burden, let them serve you. Right? Let God remind you again that, that you're not alone. Now on the, the flip side, when offering practical ways to help, we, we don't want to add to, to someone's burden. So don't just assume that, that something will, will be helpful. Make suggestions and then ask. Hey, I'd love to come over on Tuesday and help you with laundry. Would that be helpful? There's comfort found in meeting practical needs. Then finally, friends, as we seek to comfort one another, the comfort that we've been comforted in, we, we, we bring promises. We make sure to listen. We seek to understand. We share God's word with each other. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 50, This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. God's promises are the, the, the bomb our, our soul needs. They bring life to our, our weary souls. We need to bring his word to, to one another. Sometimes even in seasons of affliction, we can read God's word for ourselves and it just nothing seems to be registering, right? Where our minds are, are just in a fog. How important it is that, that others come and bring God's word to us. And yet, as I'm sure you're aware, this is often where things can, can feel a little tricky at times. Job's friends in the book of Job at first did great when they simply minister to him by being present and sitting with him without saying a word. But when they started using words and seeking to bring what they perceived as truth, what we see in Job chapter 16, verse 2, Job said to, says to them, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. We do not want to be miserable comforters. In other words, Job's saying, you're, you're bringing me these, these cliches. You're bringing me these, these platitudes. I've, I've heard this thing before. You're sharing these, these trite answers with me. How do we avoid bringing God's word in a way that, that seems insensitive or trite? How do we avoid adding to our friend's affliction like Job's friends here? I think our, our text this morning gives us some good guide rails for this. And as we bring to others what we have found comfort in ourselves. We don't recommend the, the book and, and lend it from our library till we've devoured it for, for our own self, right? We, 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 when, when we've wrestled with God's word for ourselves in, in the midst of, of our own affliction, we, we know that simplistic answers, that trite answers, that simply won't do, right? Life is complicated. Suffering is hard. And yet God's word speaks to it in powerful ways when, we, when, when spoken in love and in wisdom. 
We do this by, by sharing what we found life-giving to our own hearts, God's Word. Let that, that rule of thumb be what, what guides our ministry to, to one another. We, we minister to others with, with what has truly ministered to our own souls. Aware that, that we're fellow strugglers, fellow sufferers, that, that we're in need of the very words that we're sharing with others. In doing so, may the Lord use us to, to bring His, His life-giving promises to one another. In closing, after September 11th, as our nation was recovering from the devastating attacks and all the calamity these, these attacks brought, Mr. Rogers, uh, yes, that Mr. Rogers from Kids Show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, uh, he was asked to come out of retirement to say a few things to bring comfort to the children of our nation after all they had, had witnessed. And he, he rec recorded a few short videos, um, which I believe turned out to be his last recorded uh, appearances before he passed not long after. And one of the things he said to, to bring comfort was something he had found comfort in himself as a little boy that his mother had told him. He said, when I was a boy and would see scary things in the news... My mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. He said, to this day, especially in times of disaster, I remember my mother's words. I am always comforted. Look for the helpers. It's where found comfort. What comfort it is to know that the Lord has provided helpers for us in our distress. Friends, may we continue to seek to be those helpers who in the midst of life's hardships, may we continue to seek to be those who, who press in and run towards what's hard to, to help one another. Those who, who show up to bring God's comfort to one another. So grateful, Christ Church, for the good work the Lord has begun in you in this. May He continue to form us into the community of those who receive and those who share His comfort with one another.